Welcome back to the Cairo London Podcast. Craig McLean here again, and I really hope you enjoy that intro music that my son made for me a couple of months ago. So thanks, Lockie. It's kind of becoming our theme song. Uh, but the Cairo London Podcast takes the direction or continues along the direction of just having chats with interesting people. As a chiropractor, we see loads of different people coming through the front door. And this week, I am having a chat to Ian Whittingham. Now, he is the co-founder of Sigma Sports, which was a local bike shop uh, 29 years ago. But now it's basically turned itself into uh, one of the biggest online retailers on the bike industry in the UK. And it's a really interesting story how he's gone from the guy behind the counter to the managing director of a, of a massive deal. So he takes the time to talk us through his journey and what he's learnt along the way. We also talk bike racing because he's been a supporter of bike racing through this journey, both with his Pro Conti team, uh, IG Sigma Sport, but then uh, he also supports the Noon Sigma Sports outfit, which is uh, a part, of, uh, sort of something I've been a part of for five years as well. So we kind of um, talk to him about what the future of bike racing looks in the UK. And lastly, he the, how we kind of um, properly met was when he came into the Cairo Clinic last year in 2019. And he had some pretty amazing results, even though we didn't even really get to see him that much. But uh, it's quite a nice summary of how, you know, a middle-aged man who rides his bike quite a bit um, can benefit from a visit to the chiropractor. So hope you enjoy the whole pod. Thanks, Widders, for taking the time. So welcome to the podcast, mate. Uh, this is the Cairo London podcast. Um, uh, Ian Whittingham, you are the founder, co-founder of Sigma Sports. I am indeed. And now what's your actual role description now? Uh, so man manager director. Managing director. Job title these days. Very good. Uh, now, I, I've, you know, it's this thing where I've never actually really had a CV in my life because um, as a chiropractor, you tend to, it's a bit of word of mouth and then you end up running your own business fairly quickly, which I did. But I feel like you are in a way my boss. <laughs> Tell me more. <laughs> <laughs> well, because we're going to cover three things a day. I really want to hear this story, how you went from like the local bike shop to being like a, a pretty big thing these days. Um, but you also have been really supportive of bike racing over the years. Mm -hmm. And so you've basically, in a way, are the boss of Noon Sigma Sport, of which I've been involved okay, yeah. with for like five years. Um, randomly, Cam still has me on the team, even though I'm 48 and should know better. Um, and we should have a chat about that. And then I just want to sort of delve into some of this stuff that we've been doing with your own back. You yeah, know? sure. So, um, good. Anyway, so look, um, one of the chiropractors I employed here uh, ages ago has this fond memory of buying his first best bike in two, in, I think it was 2003, he said he bought his first seven, right? And uh -huh. that was when you guys were still in Hampton Wick Little Store. That's right, yeah. And it was you and Jason basically behind the counter. Yep. Selling bikes. Doing the graft. Yeah, everything. Selling the bikes, fixing the bikes. I'm, I'm, okay, I've never fixed the bikes. I'm mechanically inept. I, I can't even tune my own gears despite having worked 
in the bike trade for 30 years. It's a shocking revelation to make. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Jason's always been the, the very practical mechanical one. But yeah, there was, there was uh, 2003, probably eight of us working in the store at that point. So when did it start? Um, 1992 is when we opened our first store. We, start, we actually started in 1991, uh, going over to, we used to go to Belgium, uh, buy, buy uh, bike parts in wholesalers over there, and then sell them through the local cycle club, uh, and then in, in Jason's spare bedroom in his mum and dad's house. Um, but 92 is when we, 4th of July 92, when we opened our first little shop in a place called Hinchley Wood in, in, uh, in Surrey. Wow. And then when did you move to... Um the store on near Kingston Bridge yeah. there. So that, that was um, 1996. And then we were in that little that little store. It was a bit of a TARDIS, wasn't it? You, you go yeah. in there and it just kind of went back for yeah. miles. And we had the, the, the basement. The, the basement, which we, we, we used to affectionately known as the triathlon dungeon. Yeah, I remember uh, the wetsuits yeah. were down yeah, there. Yeah, they were. Uh, uh, so we were there 15 years. And then basically yeah, we, we were so established in Hampton Wick because it, it, it's just the, the best... In terms of uh, cyclists coming out of London uh, and heading out to Surrey or out to Windsor, everyone comes out through Kingston over the bridge. So it's a, it's an incredible place to have our store. So we we're really rooted there. Didn't want to didn't want to leave the area. Had run out of space. The lease was up on the shop. So the only the only building that had the potential to house us um, was this office block, um, the office block that we we now we're in today. So uh, we acquired that. Uh, spent about nine months ripping it apart and turning it into into the shop that it is today. Um, so, uh, I mean, I guess, uh, but that, that's a pretty big leap because you know you you kind of uh, there there are other shops around that are sort of are still doing their little local bike shop, and you're um, you've kind of done this thing where you've gone from the local bike shop to this kind of uh, not only sort of moving into the massive premises. But then evolved it again to another level with this massive warehouse that you've yeah. got, right? Um, uh, so, what the hell? You know, how did you? <laughs> why did? You, why have others just kind of kept the local bike yeah. shop and you've kind of? Yeah, grown... it's, a, it's it's a really kind of valid question. So when when we when we uh, made that move to the big store in today, uh, we the plan was that we were gonna that was gonna be our flagship store, and we were uh, we were gonna then open a, a few more stores around the country. Um, but during, during, from the, from the, from, and to, to, to acquire that building, we had to get some investment into the business. So we went out, found, a, found an investor. Uh, in, in, in the space of a year of finding an investor, acquiring the building and, and refitting it, uh, online was, was, was really starting to gain pace. And really, uh, around the day we opened it, um, just, uh, November 2010, I, I said to uh, Jason, my co founder and our investor, Look, guys, I think I think we need to, to 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 not worry about other shops. We need to think about online. So, r- really, then we you know so we had two big two big uh, projects going on to 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 establish this new store because it was a real a real big move going from fifteen hundred square feet to ten thousand square feet that we have in the store, and also then to begin building a website and online business. And it really really has been you know it really was well it, it, it's it's ten years now. It was kind of eight years in the making uh, it was a lot harder than I think we ever imagined in terms of uh, you know building the website attracting the, the customer that you need and then all of the logistics that back it up so during that time we went through three different warehouses as we grew so mm. we were, uh, all our warehousing was always local mm. but you, you can't get you can't get big warehouses locally anymore they, they don't really exist or they're not economically viable so we uh, yeah two and a half years ago we uh, we without growing our, our place in Isha 
so we, uh, we, we, we took this huge great shed in, in, in Grantham in Lincolnshire. Pretty daunting at the time, walking around it, going, really? Yeah, sounds <laughs> like it's nowhere near anything I know, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah. Those, the, the powers of B said, no, this is the place to be because it's easy to get to and easy for logistics and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, exactly, yeah. And, and, and uh, all, all of those things, it's the right, you know, it's a much lower cost for, 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 for space up there. And also, there's a, re- there's a really plentiful and really good quality workforce up there as well. Which again, it's not, not so easy recruiting those positions uh, in, in South West London. Yeah. So I really ticked all, ticked all the boxes, um, had a few sleepless nights over it, um, and there it, it was a lot of work. It was, it was a kind of derelict sugar storage um, place. So it literally had one working light, I think, in the whole place. Oh, wow. uh, one guy who worked in there with a forklift just moving huge sacks of sugar around. So it was hard to visualize it being what it is today, which is a really nice modern distribution center. Um, and uh, yeah. Um, That's right. But what about the timing of that too, right? I mean, yeah. obviously, if you had have gone reacted to it this year, it would have been a nightmare, right? Um, whereas you, you somehow were like, no, this is the right thing to do. And then like two years later, uh, the sort of madness of lockdown happened and this kind of like frenzy of people desperate for exercise equipment um, happened and you just happened to be ready for it kind of. Yeah, uh, exactly. Um, so, so, when, so when we took that space, uh, we, that, was, you know, that was us future-proof for, for the next at least five years uh, based on, on, our, on our business plan. So yeah, coming, coming into, uh, into this year, we had uh, plenty of capacity in terms of space. Uh, we had enough staff that meant we we you know we we'd geared up. We were we were all, our business was has been has still been growing and, and the cycling market generally has been kind of fairly flat the last couple of years. You know we had had the the big boom in two thousand and eight, the big boom in two thousand and twelve on the back of the Olympics, and then it's just kind of it's, it's flattened off. But we've been growing our business um, during that time. Uh, so yeah, we we, we came into twenty twenty with um, uh, some exciting plans, and the first quarter was was as, as we as we expected, and then. Then coronavirus came along and basically turned our world upside down, uh, <laughs> and, and the world of every every person in the in the bike industry. You know, we are we are you know we are absolutely very lucky to be the ones who are on the right side of of, of everything that's happened because of COVID. Mm. Um, so yeah, I mean to, to kind of summarise, um, uh, you know you, had, you know never never kind of forget that that week of um, uh, of the announcement of lockdown. So we had the Friday the Friday night the twenty nineteenth or twentieth. When uh, Boris said that all pubs must must close, uh, so uh, so we uh, and, and we have our head office just down the road from the store. So that night we all met and had all the, the, the shops team and the office team. We all met, had our had our final couple of beers before the Foresters, our love the great pub that's opposite the store, closed down that night. And really, it was like everyone was in pretty high spirits. And then j- throughout the course of that weekend, the whole mood changed. Uh, and certainly our staff became increasingly uncomfortable working in the store environment. Social distancing was, was, was a pretty novel idea at that point. People weren't really doing it mm. to any, any great degree. So I got a call on Sunday morning from my store manager to say, look, you need to come in. We, we know there's a number of staff that just don't feel happy turning up. And I was like, like you know, given how, how upbeat everyone was on Friday, I was like, really? That's, that's quite surprising. Mm. So I, I said, okay, I'll come in and work the day. I opened the, opened the doors to a huge crowd of customers at 11 o'clock and went, I see. I can see the problem here. Um, so I said, "Yeah, look, let's let's close. Let's close tonight. It's, it doesn't feel right to, to to carry on. Let's close and work out how we can operate this store in a, with social distancing." Mm. So we actually closed a day before Boris 
to, to, to you know, it was the Monday night, Boris said all the non-essential retail must close. Um, but actually, bike shops were were given uh, a, 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 a exception as, a, as an essential retailer. Mm. Uh, but but actually, we knew we we knew we were nowhere near ready just to reopen again. We had to make a lot of changes. Uh, so actually, it took us to to the middle of May until we reopened again on, on appointment basis. So we, we kept skeleton staff. So anyone had bikes in for repair or or, or or bike orders in the system, we allowed them to carry on coming in. And picking stuff up and any remaining kind of reserve and collect orders, that type of thing. So we didn't want to inconvenience customers by just closing the door and that's that. But we didn't take any more new business through the store. Um, and then the madness started. So the on the on the, that evening, the twenty third, the announcement from Boris that um, all the central retail was closed and the lockdown was was really happening. Uh, we saw uh, we saw we basically sold every single home trainer that we had in our business. Overnight, <laughs> it was crazy. Just went absolutely through the roof. So I kind of came into work on the on the on the uh, on the Tuesday. I went, okay, it's interesting. <laughs> uh, so you know, we're like, okay, let's get out there and let's see what what, what we can get. So we went out and bought uh, bought a bunch more stock, and that had all gone by the end of the week. Arrived and gone. So that was the first spike. I think people were you know maybe fearing the kind of draconian lockdown that you'd seen in Spain and such like where you couldn't leave the house mm. obviously in the end that's never happened we've had freedom to go and exercise which is great but it, it, that, that demand of home trainers has never stopped throughout the entire yeah. um, seven months of lockdown uh, so that's that's been a really incredible phenomenon um, and, and still today you know, still today that demand is, is way beyond anything we can we can hope to supply this side of Christmas amazing yeah so look go back just out, what I'm interested in though is sort of like you're obviously yeah well you know uh filled these very busy sort of demands by the public to sort of get the exercise equipment both at home and sort of on the road. Um, but just roll it back a little bit more to I'm really interested to sort of think about, um, you know, how you've grown from that little shop to the bigger shop to then one warehouse to then the more massive warehouse. And then was it a case where when you actually got your investor in, and I'm not sure I even know who that is. I think it's a, like it's nicely kept nice and quiet about the who actually, or that, but was it like a dragon's den type of situation whereby there also came a fair bit of expertise or was that still driven by you and Jason? Um, yeah, so, so yeah, our investor is a guy called Corey Taylor. Uh, he's got a really lovely business. He distributes lots of really nice outdoor brands. Uh, Icebreaker Ice was one of the ones that he was doing at the time, uh, Merino stuff, which you probably most, most of us would have heard of. Yeah. Um, but Corey, yeah, Corey is, is, uh, you know, he, he, he doesn't play a day to day part in the business, mm. but he's, he's, he's a, he's been really great at encouraging us to think bigger than we might have done. Mm. You know, myself and Jason started the bike shop, not, not for any other reason than we, we love cycling and fancied hanging out in a bike shop and thought that we'd, you know, end up, we'd go riding most mornings and, and then, you know, uh, have a great time selling bikes. I mean, the reality is the sense, as soon as we started the business, my riding just went out of the window because, you know, running your own business, obviously that freedom that you think is going to come with it <laughs> doesn't, doesn't generally happen. Um, so yeah, so, so yeah, you, you wouldn't have necessarily come across Corey. Um, but yeah, he's been the one who's encouraged us and, and things like, you know, the 30,000 30, square foot warehouse. He's the one who put me outside my comfort zone. So we need if we're gonna if we're gonna keep growing this, we're gonna do it. But the the, the growth the growth has come. You know, of, of course, you know when you have an investor, they want to see their inve- a return on their investment. Mm. Um, but also the growth has come because we've we, we're just so passionate about about what we do. Um, you know, we, we love we love you know genuinely. I, you know, I, I still love going to, getting up and going to work every morning. And I've, this is this is my you know 29th year of 
of, of doing this stuff. So I think it's that real, that real passion to, to, to be the, the very best we can be, an absolute obsession with customer service. You know, we, we are, as a business, it, it, it's, you know, our Trustpilot score is the most important metric in our, in our business. And, you know, and it makes me proud to say that we have the industry-leading Trustpilot score. So it's that, I think it's that obsession with, with product, obsession, obsession with our customer, amazing brands. We have an incredible portfolio of brands in the business. So, and also on the back of you know, an incredible surge in interest in cycling over the last few years. So we've been... Mm. Quite lucky, uh, you know, to, uh, for some of that stuff to have happened. Like I said, there others have sort of maintained the sort of the plateau, mm. and you've just grown because you've obviously, you know, had some people who are stretching you. But yeah. but it does sound like because I, you know, I generally don't know this that that it sounds like you and Jason have just kind of driven it from the inside yourselves, right? Mm. Uh, and and you've probably Absolutely. you sound like you've kind of is Jason still a little bit more in the sort of like. Um, the day-to-day technical side of things and, and you're sort of more of a bigger picture sort of role? Or? Yeah, yeah. So, so Jason's um, is based in the store. So you, if you go in there, you'll see Jason there yeah. uh, most days. Uh, so Jay looks after all of the merchandising and, and, and products in, in the store. And uh, we, we recently opened our second store. Uh, so yeah. it took us, took us a few years to get around to getting to do, to do that one. Um, <laughs> the original plan back in yeah, 2010 yeah. was, so, yeah, let's do a few stores. And 10 years later, we finally did it. Uh, so yeah, so Jason's been quite heavily involved in 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 in, in setting that store up uh, and merchandising it, etc. So yeah. that's that's what Jason does. And yeah, for me, it's it's running the business day to day, and it's the bigger picture and the, the planning. So at some point, though, you must have sat down and gone, okay, well, we need to, we just can't do everything ourselves. We need to start getting some people on board who are really good at the stuff that we need, mm-hmm. right? So did you go through that process though of actually going, uh, okay, well, we need a marketing guy. So we're going to employ a sort of a marketing guy, and then we need like, or are you still the? I assume you have a finance director or something like that, right? Or do you still keep an eye on the numbers yourself? Or? Well, you know, I do keep an eye on the numbers, of course, but I don't. I don't write the checks anymore. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, what's really nice as well is that we've 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 really kind of organically grown our business, and what what, what we've also managed been able to do is it's given great opportunity for our staff who generally all joined us working in the store and. Have, or working in our fledgling uh, online business, doing pick pack. So, for example, my head of purchasing today joined me as a pick packer uh, and has grown. You know, through, joined the company doing that and has grown to be our head head of purchasing. Yeah, my head, right. my, the, my head of digital joined me as a guy who'd run an eBay store uh, on the side. Uh, so, we, uh, we re- on the whole, every, people in our business have been there a long time and have, have started doing one job and ended up doing another. Most of my purchasing team, in fact, almost the entire purchasing team. Again, started in the store and then moved on. So That's so good because it's like, obviously, it's just evolved and you're going, yeah. holy crap, we need to sort of fill a digital role here. Sounds like you're pretty good at that. Let's kind of, uh, you know, yeah. and you know the business inside mm. and out. So as opposed to getting an external kind of person in, um, they've, John, they've stepped up. Yeah. And I guess if they're, if they're failing at that, it becomes apparent fairly quickly. But um, you know them probably well enough to know that they're capable of doing whatever and then they just do it, right? Absolutely, yeah. Obviously, now I'm selfishly asking you this because like we're in the expansion role of our clinics where we've gone from one to five in five years. Um, but we're sort of in that same sort of scenario where we're kind of like, you know, how, how do we take that sort of next step of, because we, we've did that and then we paused for like a couple of years because of like, okay, this is getting a little out of hand. We need some, a little bit more time to consolidate and look after the people and make sure the service we're providing is, is, is good. But, um, 
Yeah, that's why I'm selfishly picking your brain about this. So, um, and we just yeah. happen to be recording it. Uh-huh. <laughs> Are we? You're recording? <laughs> um, Secretly. It's like a secret geez. hidden camera, right? Um, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, my, my, my you know, the, the culture and, and what your business stands for it, it means everything. And I think that's probably one of the reasons why we've taken 29 years to open a second, sorry, well, yeah, 29 years to have a second store, 10 yeah. years since Corey got involved. Yeah. It's having that absolute belief that you can do that without in any way diluting your brand values and what you stand for. Um, and, you know, it took a long time for us to get that new big store really working as we wanted it. Mm. Uh, finding, you know, finding and retaining great staff is, 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 is one of the hardest things you ever do in a business. Like. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it took us a long while to recruit the new team in Oakham. And, and then we had them and we had to wait. Uh, it was due to open in April, actually, but we had to wait till September because we had to wait for hotels to reopen so that we could bring the guys down for a, for, for, for a few weeks of just living and breathing uh, life in, in, in the Sigma Sports store in Hampton, okay. uh, Hampton Wick. So, yeah, it, it's, that's the important thing. Whatever you put your name to, make sure it's not going to have an adverse effect to your brand. I'm sure you, because, you know, it's obviously taken you 29 years to become an overnight success, right? Um, <laughs> <laughs> and maybe people don't, well, you know, I mean, I think it's fairly visible that it's, you know, you've been working hard for 29 years to get to where you are. Um, maybe you might probably meet a few people who are like, oh my God, it's amazing. Tell me the secret as to how you did it, right? And you're like, there is no secret. There is no life hack to this whole thing. You just kind of get in there, turn up every day and... Yeah. Um, Keep plugging away through through thick and thin. You know, it's not, it's not been a bed of roses, that's for sure. Some of those early years, there was a lot of times when myself and Jason said, should we... We, this, this, we should really do something else. This is, this is crazy. We're just working our nuts off. We're not making any money. Um, yeah, it was, it was a real labor of love in those early years. So yeah, it has, it has been a long time in the making. Because um, I guess, you know, there was probably that period of time where everyone else was getting paid uh, salaries and you weren't particularly being yeah. paid much. Um, yeah, your mates are buying, they're buying their first car, yeah, buying, buying nice cars, going on nice holidays, and you're like, geez, you know, I've had to just put some of my wages back in the, in the, in the till to pay pay the salary you know so it was it was really kind of that that touch and go for a while back then so yeah i bet you you have some really good relationships with guys like seven right um who uh you've probably been with since the start or early on as well and, and yeah i mean those those relationships again they are they are like they, they are again what what makes our business a success you know having relationships with people like seven People like specialize, you know, specialize. We we've been with specialized pretty much since day one. Yeah. Uh, Trek, etc. Yeah, so we've got some really solid, long-standing relationships with some really great brands, and that's that's super important. You can't do what we're doing without having that. So, what I have this couple of cool memories of because uh, getting onto this racing. You're, you're obviously are you passionate about racing teams, or is it a headache, or, or, or what's the deal? <coughs> Because you obviously you've had the, the 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 journey of the IG Sigma Sport team, which then stopped in 2013, I think. Yeah. And then Noon Sigma Sports is like a, a very amateur version of of that type of thing. Yeah. Um, but uh, I, I have these memories of of you still there supporting it, right? Where there was this like 
nocturne event where I was in the sort of uh, the chopper race and I think I crashed on the first corner and I still remember I think it was like uh, you came up to me afterwards with a child that had been crying because one of his men went down you know so, <laughs> yeah so I don't know if you remember that yeah but, yeah uh, I do that's my youngest son he's like super competitive and he just wanted a Sigma Swartz rider to win and he was, he was <laughs> devastated literally that uh, it, that didn't happen and then there was this was other like, time crash or not it probably what they probably weren't going to win this one but yeah uh, I know um, <laughs> Yeah, no, that's uh, because obviously you're, you've got a young family now as well. Uh, how old are your kids now? Um, Nine and eleven. Nine and eleven. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, you know, that's obviously a very important part of your life mm. as well. But then I, uh, the second memory was this uh, not uh, not nocturne, but the um, tour series, which somehow Cam convinced me it would be a good idea for me to race in. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that, that was that was Brooklyn's. It was like uh, we've had someone pull out. Uh, anyone up for it? And I'm like, oh, I'm not doing anything. You know, uh, it's like okay, well, we're signing you up. Yeah. We just need another man on the start line. And um, that yeah. was brutal. That I, I was brutal. watched from the side. I think, how the hell are you doing this? But how? I mean. Uh, how good was it that uh, Richie and Jimmy actually were up there in the mm. top 10 yeah. um, and without uh, being uh, gridded uh, on the start line, managed yeah. to fight their way through to that sort of main pack yeah. and, and did really well. Um, and uh, I managed to sort of finish and only get lapped twice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was impressive. But yeah, I mean, you know, um, sponsorship has been part of something we've done pr- pretty much since day one. We've always, we've always done something... Whether that you know in the early days that was a a local team kind of like like the noon team is, is today uh, racing in the Surrey League and then we and we did a lot we supported a lot of the Surrey League races in terms of sponsoring the Easter three day and the the summer five day and uh, you know all manner of things like that so we've, we've it's always been really close to, to our hearts to to you know feel, you know to put put something back if you like and um, that all then kind of went we uh, Matt Stevens who who you know a lot of people. Have, have heard of um, you know, commentator these days on, on Eurosport and such like and was the face of GCM for a few years um, he was riding professionally for a Linda McCartney cycling team and uh, they the, the, the team the team was run by a complete con man uh, and uh, you know it was it, I mean, that's a whole that's a whole podcast in its own right <laughs> when we got some time um, so long and short of it is that on the, on the morning that the team was due to launch in Trafalgar Square in London uh, this guy who was running the team Julian Clark uh, feigned uh, a heart attack on a flight over. Um, he actually had no sponsorship lined up. Linda McCartney had never signed a contract. The whole team collapsed before it even turned a single kind of pedal in anger that year. Um, so I got introduced to Matt through a mutual friend. Um, and basically Matt was like, suddenly, that's it. I had no, you know, there was no uh, job, no money coming in. So we worked out we worked out a deal that was enough to basically pay his mortgage for a year and he'd ride. As, so he, he was our kind of sole athlete but, but someone of you know of kind of real di- a different caliber to what we'd had before it was always sponsoring local grassroots stuff this was a guy who'd, who was about to start a full continental professional uh, year so matt rode for us and uh did got some great results and came to me at the end of the year and said look why don't we why don't we just make, make some more of this you know, let's what about getting a team together so matt basically then kind of convinced us to 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 to, to, to up the up the involvement and uh Cut a long story short, that that's where the IG team grew out of. And was that around 2010 then, or no? What, what year was that? Oh, uh, uh, 
I'm terrible with dates. Because I, I um, think it, it sort of, ended, I was looking at the dates there last night, and I think it sort of ended around 2012, 2013 right. or something, um, where you guys are in that. I think it must have been the Tour of Britain before the Olympic year or something, right? Um, that was probably yeah, you. Yeah, so I think that was, yeah, that was our last. We certainly, I think we rode four four Tour of Britons, I yeah. think, from memory. Cool. Uh, yeah, which was, that, I mean, they were amazing. And it was, you know, that that was that was the be all end all. Your entire season was based around qualifying yeah. And getting an invite to the Tour of Britain, yeah. and it' pretty amazing to watch your humble team riding alongside Team Sky. Yeah. Um, and we always, because because of our long-standing connections, and because of Matt in particular, we always we we'd always recruit a, a really high-quality director sportif for the event. Because what I learned is that it's it's about the conversations in the bar the night before between teams about what might may or may not happen the following day on the road. <laughs> so we we were able to have those chats, and you know, you kind of. You know, you, you know what the plan might be, and for us, it was we're never going to win this for Britain with our team, but we we were out to, to get as much coverage as we could in terms of getting guys into the break yeah. for as long as you could. I, I, I think you know, if you, the vast majority of stages we'd have someone in the break, we always just completely overperformed mm. in, into Britain. We, we we were one point away from winning the sprints jersey one year from 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 Team Sky. So yeah, they they, they were four amazing years. Um, and everything else that went with it, you know, the tour series was was really really buzzing then, and mm. and such like, and we do some international racing. So we had yeah, had a really great time, a lot of fun doing it. But it was it was a huge amount of work and yeah. a, and, a, and a huge distraction at times. Yeah. Um, you know, and I, I never never forget. You know, the, the one year the, the team went off. Their first race was a race in France, and it was atrocious conditions. And I think they wrote off five brand new bikes. <laughs> Uh, and Ooh. we had to then find out, you know, these are, these are things you never budget for. Mm. Uh, so that's, that's stressful. You know, suddenly yeah. on, a, on a Monday morning, you've got to kind of replace five £2,000 frames out of a budget that you didn't really yeah. put to one side. So it, it was great fun. It was hard work. But ultimately, we stopped because the, the sport was really starting to ramp up in terms of investment. We, the bang for buck that we got was incredible. Mm. But really, once we left, you know, you would, our team budget was was 150000 you were starting to look at teams, domestic teams with half a million pound budgets. Yeah, uh, rider rider salaries were, were shooting up. Yeah, so we, we just we just I didn't have I didn't have the energy to kind of go out and try and find a sponsor that would able enable us to do that. So yeah. we, we checked out on a high. Yeah, I'll never forget the the outpouring of of of, of on Facebook from 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 around, from around the world actually of people saying we're going to really miss you in the peloton and mm. you know I think sometimes you don't realize how special something is until you haven't, haven't got it anymore and it was. Yeah, it's an emotional end, but we ended it at the right time. And then, of course, the, the noon Sigma Sports piece came along with Cameron, and that's what we've been doing ever since. Well, that's, uh, you know, so it, it definitely sounds like a great, you know, and I remember it well, where it's sort of you did check out on a high, and as opposed to sort of like, you know, having sort of some after that point, you know, didn't, wasn't as successful, didn't quite have the results. And it sort of sounds like it was a nice little breather just to kind of then refocus in on the business yeah. again. But yeah, and then then Cam obviously came to you and said, "Well, look, we've got a very different idea, which is actually one more about um, how we can just sort of keep getting the brands out there for you at a very different budget. Although maybe we need to be speaking about wage salaries for the riders now. Is this right?" Um, speak to, speak uh, to Cameron. Appears <laughs> <laughs> as though the salaries uh, in Noon Signals Water non-existent. He has been paying you a salary, hasn't he? <laughs> <laughs> oh, right, yeah, yeah, and this is the, yeah, uh, yeah, because I've been paying him yeah. to pay you guys. Yeah, what's he doing with that? Uh, yeah, well, it's I know got a nice new car, though. I noticed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, but no, because I mean, it almost is a natural little, a nice little evolution there, where you kind of go, well, okay, well, we still want to try and get a little bit of um, mm. publicity, um, but we're not, and we weren't interested as a team in actually getting out there and, and racing at the, the highest level. Yeah. 
and it was kind of like the national B level focus. But then that was kind of a question where then, so as time went by, we had some pretty good results as a, a very amateur race team. No one's getting paid. Everyone's working full time. Uh, and everyone's um, literally just spending their spare time uh, training and racing, but at the same time trying to do a little bit for the brands that we have, you know, the Cannondales and the Noon Tablets and the Castelli and, and all these guys mm. that were behind us. So, um, and, and that seemed to work quite well. Um, and then obviously COVID came and all the racing got cancelled mm. this year. So, um, so it's, it's an interesting one in the way that I did have a specific question for you, which was... Um, how important do you think it is now for a noon Sigma Sport type outfit to be racing and trying to go for those national B results, right? Or do you see the future of a team like that should be slightly different in maybe racing isn't isn't as big as it uh, as it used to be? Um, I mean, you you obviously been supporting the Surrey leagues and all that sort mm. of stuff for like so long. Um, is it still important? Do you think it's going to be still important for 2021? Or do you think there should be a direction more of a kind of like a taking it to a, another totally different direction of just getting more brand stuff out there in in the kind of social media world, you know? Um, yeah. What um, do you think? Yeah. Inter- I mean, that's, that's quite a big question. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's like I said, you know, we, sponsorship's always been so really important. So yeah, I, I, I love I love what we do with you guys. It's a really well-run team. Cameron puts a lot of effort into it. But for us, it's it's pretty easy. I mean, we, you know, we, 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 we give you guys some space in our warehouse to have a little kind of service course, as it were, um, store your, all, all your stuff. And uh, we, we, we contribute towards the running cost of the team. And and, and ultimately, you know, it, it's... it's it, the results are great when they come, but that's not why we do it. We do it because you're, you're, you're a really nice bunch of guys who I think we, we think represent our brand really well, and that's the most important thing. You know, I, I don't I don't care about having the best rider if, if he's not going to you know portray our brand in the in the right light. So it's it's a great bunch. Obviously, you know, George, who's one of our our, our mechanics, work is in the team as well. And, uh, it, so it's a, it's a really it's a really nice, well run team, and. Uh, you know, you, you have lots of success on the on the track where we we don't even really sell much in the way of track. But so it's great, it's great to support it, and I, I hope it kind of continues because you know the the racing scene in the UK is it's it's pretty challenged. I mean, you know, certainly grassroots and local racing is is all kind of fine. I mean, you know, I think sorry, league races you probably have to enter months in advance to have a hope of even getting an entry these days. Mm. You know, back when I was racing, it was you could turn up and enter on the line on a mm. on a Sunday morning. But in terms of the bigger racing scene, that that that's really that's that's really in a, in, in a pretty challenging place, and it is quite incredible when you see the success we have, in, you know, on the road with 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 people like Garen Thomas and and, and Tao, who's just won the, the Giro Italia. Mm. But actually, the, 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 the there's there's almost no um, the, you know, the, the racing of, of any kind of high level now is almost non-existent in the UK, mm. and there doesn't seem to be any plan from British Cycling to do anything about kind of supporting that or trying to get it back on track. So. As much as we want to carry on supporting that team, I do, I do, I do worry about the future of of, 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 of high-level bike racing in the UK. It's madness, isn't it? Because as you say, with Teo sort of having gone through the old Hackney Cycling Club and sort of the Hog Hill races, and mm. uh, he was there all the time, you know, and, and it was sort of before my time, before I really got involved in it myself. But, you know, that's like such a... You know, there was obviously Bradley Wiggins as well. Um, but... You know, it's uh, it's it's tough, and I think you know the Nat B guys will probably have a little bit of uh, challenge with the races maybe next year. You know, because they're not sure whether or not they can hold the races, yeah. whether they can't, and all that sort of stuff. And so, 
But yeah, I mean, it sounds like though you still would love to try and support racing at the grassroots um, through an outfit like us. And, mm. and do, you, do you reckon we should still be forging ahead for the racing calendar or switch it out, get a couple of kind of non-racing guys in who just like love riding their bikes and posting stuff? Or do you think that would be a shame to go down that sort of... <clears throat> uh, yeah, I, mean, I think, you know, life's going to return to, to normal at some point and, you know, with the, with the vaccine announcement... This week, it feels like the light is, kind of, is at the end of the tunnel, somewhere off in the distance. So I definitely feels like the racing scene will come back. And, 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 and what we feel is that there's, I think, I think it will, participation will probably hit all-time highs. I mean, you know, if, if you look at the number of people who've taken up cycling in the last, mm. the last seven months, combined with all the people who couldn't do any, any uh, events this year, I think, I think yeah, I think it's, it's really important that you guys carry on doing what you're doing. At the same time, I think, you know, it, it, I love... Uh, I, I love it when when you guys go kind of off grid and do different things and 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 you know it's great having content if you go off and do some crazy kind of gravel mm. gravel ride. Um, well, that's that's George, isn't it? You know, where he's yeah. kind of like because we're not really sure whether or not it's we should be supporting his mountain biking thing because it's very off grid compared mm. to. Uh, but he's been loving his cross country mm. races and stuff, yeah. and that's probably the future isn't it to sort of expand out into yeah. a few like the you know what Lachlan Morton's been doing exactly, with all this yeah. sort of yeah. uh, weird and crazy stuff it's like probably that sort of a stuff on top of a racing calendar yeah. would be the way forward right? yeah definitely so, yeah and for, for us as a business we are we, we've massively expanded what we do we you know we've, we've been road cycling triathlon retailer since day one but but in the last couple of years we've started to do a lot more in the way of mountain bike and an e-bike and again on the back of, of covid we've, we've we've hugely expanded the range of bikes we sell um so you know we're always going to be cycling first retailer, but but a much much broader church. So yeah, having having George racing his mountain bikes, and we, we support another mountain. We actually support a mountain bike team uh, alongside Victoria Tires. Um, so yeah, no, it, it's all it's all part of part of the mix for us. And uh, obviously, Richie Mardel loves a bit of mountain biking, doesn't he? Or a bit of gravel, or a bit of he whatever. does. So uh, he does. Um, so actually, I should ask you though. I'm you know how uh, Wigo uh, obviously was riding a Sigma classic sigma framed bike back in the day and there's that sort of those images get flying around the place yeah. well tell us the story about your relationship with him back in the early days what happened there yeah so that was um that that was uh basically bradley was uh, was due to join uh francaise de jeu um french cycling team yeah and um and it, I mean, it is it is quite incredible when you when you realize that they didn't even have a bike for him to ride um, yeah, it's quite quite interesting. You see these really kind of you know these teams on the world stage riding to the France, and actually behind the scenes, I think it can be quite a different story. And a bit chaotic. So bottom line is he didn't he he was he had finished his previous team. He was due to start at France Ouest de Jeu in the in the new year, and he didn't have a bike. So again, through, through a mutual friend, uh, he gave gave me a shout and said, "Any chance you could help out Bradley?" I'm like absolutely, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> send him down. Yeah. So uh, yeah, so we we lent him a <clears throat> lent him a Sigma frame, uh, a Sigma bike for for a few months. Um, until he until he until he got his new team bike from 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 the, the pro team, so that was really the, the kind of start of of of, of a you know a, 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 a friendship of sorts with with Bradley. Mm. Um, you know he's he's always been, he's always been absolutely su- superb at, at, at giving us kind of backing us up if you like and giving us coverage. I think it's, you know he's never forgotten the fact that we kind of stepped up and helped him out. Mm. And you know an example is uh, in the in his book he actually quotes. Um, 
the, the Olympic time trial as he came over Kingston Bridge and turned right and went past our store. He actually quotes our store name and saying that the biggest cheer of the day was was reserved for when I rode past the Sigma Sports store in Hampton Wick. So, mm. and and actually, you know, now he lives locally to to the store. So we we were again actually kind of lent him a, a couple of bikes to use. Uh, <coughs> Uh, so you know, kind of gone full circle um, yeah, right. at the end of his career. So yeah, yeah. Because I wasn't sure what that story. Because you know, you, you sort of see these pictures of him in a Sigma top and mm. like on a Sigma bike and that sort of thing. But that was in the lead up to his Francais de Jure Yeah, so he never actually raced for us. He, yeah. he was just literally just just used it in training. And uh, yeah, we just got a cheeky pic of him in a Sigma top outside the. the old but that's shop. but that's the. Um, you know, he he's like forever talking about that sort of his privilege to be in that situation mm. to do what he did, and he definitely wouldn't. He's the sort of guy that would never forget someone who actually helped him out at an early age. Yeah, um, yeah. So no, it, it, yeah, and that's right. absolutely absolutely true. I think yeah. Uh, no, that's cool. Uh, yeah, and I think I was actually out the front of your shop in 2012 on the time trial. <laughs> I was one of those guys who gave that cheer. Um, what, because what a day. That was amazing. That thing was incredible, just um, incredible. Yeah, because I'm like, where's a good spot? Do you reckon to be watching? I'm like, that'll be a good spot. Yeah. There'll be a good vibe going on there. Yeah. Um, and it was. It was crazy. Oh, um, what a, what a what a what a yeah a day I will never ever forget. And uh, yeah, um, yeah, nice of them to sort of make the route go out the front it wasn't of your it? shop. <laughs> yeah, we didn't have any we strings. Got, you pulled there, no or? strings. We got. We got. So we knew. You know, we knew the kind of people who were who, who were working for 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 London twenty twelve. And I got. I got a little a little tip off. They never told me any. They never told me straight what was going to happen. They just said, "I think when the announcement's made about the course, you'll be, you'll be quite happy." <laughs> <laughs> and uh, when it was, we were like, "It was wow." I mean, you know, that was our twentieth um, year. So what? What? You know, what? A, what? What a way to mm. to, to celebrate. Having, having that outside, yeah, I mean, one, one of the one of the days, one of the best days. Of- yeah, and then you know, just the fact that the road race went down to Box Hill and yeah. sort of all that sort of stuff—it yeah. was like such a good week, wasn't it? You know, and the Olympics, London was on a high, um, so good. Yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, look, I, I, thanks for your time, but I, look, we should finally address some of these reasons why we actually got you mm. in this building at Putney Chiropractic in the <laughs> first place. Is that you? Um, I would say you, if you don't mind sharing a little bit about your clinical history with the <laughs> listeners, you okay? Uh, we won't go yes. into too much detail, don't worry. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's not very exciting to be sure. Yeah, I mean, basically, I, I've, I mean, I've always struggled with my back, um, it, you know, on, on and off. You know, not a year goes by without me having a few weeks of be, being uncomfortable and uh, you know, and, and sometimes the point of barely, barely being able to move. So I, I obviously gave you a shout about a year and a half ago and I was having an episode got myself over here and uh, got on the table and then started coming back and seeing you I think I saw you about four or five times on the bounce and it, it made I mean, it made such a difference um, it's just incredible to the point where I mean, I'm here it's been a year over a year since I saw you last mm-hmm. yeah. genuinely my back has been that much better I mean, and, and today actually you know yes you, you did some, some lovely adjustments and I'm feeling I'm feeling easier but it, it, yeah um Maybe we should start this bit again. Where am I going with this one? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you do great. I mean, like, because obviously you, I think, represent, like, even though you love bikes and you love you riding them, you're not doing, like, uh, hours a week or hundreds of miles a year and all that sort of stuff, are you, you know? Um, uh, but, you know, and then over time, your body has, you know, the, 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 this whole idea of the spine as we age gets a little bit degenerative sometimes there are segments of the spine which kind of like just compress tighten up 
and then you know almost like a, a form of wear and tear or uh, degeneration kind of sets in and then that's what makes you really stiff and that can happen anywhere it can happen in the lower part of the neck it can happen in the very lower part of the back they're the two actually most common areas for it to happen but it can kind of happen anywhere we just get these areas that just don't move very well um, and um, you know that's the thing is literally sometimes what happens though is we just get you on the chiro table we kind of do these adjustments it clears out a few of the cobwebs as mm. I like to refer to it and then all of a sudden it kind of resets it it's almost like that thing where when your iPad isn't working very well or phone you kind of like do the reboot or the computer reboot thing uh, and then your body sort of the computer seems to operate smoother in the same way your body sort of tends yeah. to operate a little bit smoother um, and so I think that's literally what happened with you, where you haven't had a massive amount of input um, from a Cairo, mm. um, but what input you did have seemed to have kind of shifted things around enough to yeah. to kind of just get it functioning a bit better. Yeah. You know? um, and then don't you do this thing where once a year you go off, aren't you in the middle of trying to ride your bike around the world or something? Um, yeah. I, and, yeah. And so you may not ride that much, but every now and then you kind of do an intense week, right? Yeah. So yeah. So yeah. Yeah. So I'm I'm part of this thing uh, called Ride Twenty Five, which uh, uh, it's about hundred or so people who, over the course of twenty five years, are going to get from 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 uh, London to to Sydney. Okay. Uh, so yeah, we're currently currently uh, crossing Turkey. Uh, so I, I haven't done everything I've I've I've, I've done uh, the last four or five years. Uh, so I, I joined them in Milan, um, okay. and, it, and it's and it's and it's, re- it's it's absolutely brilliant. It, it, the ride you ride on roads that you would just never ever have, have discovered um, without doing this kind of stuff. Uh, it's a great bunch, great camaraderie. So yeah, so that that's my kind of big focus every year now is that week. It didn't happen this year. Um, it was due to happen in in in, uh, in June. So uh, and that's, that's obviously been put off. Um, but yeah, so so that's that's always on the horizon. Uh, so the panic training starts usually about six weeks out from that. Um, and uh, yeah, get through it and have a brilliant time. Um, yeah, and, it, and that, that that to me is what riding is all about these days. So I don't ride anywhere near as much as I used to, but absolutely love it when I do. But this is where, like, I remember we had that conversation on the infamous bun run one uh, on one mm. week when you joined us a year or so ago, and uh, we got chatting about it. And I'm not sure if you even clocked the the what I was doing. And then we just, I was like, well, you should just come down. We'll check you out. Um, yeah. And I think that was the, you're just like your, your, your classic, you know, um, cycling middle-aged bloke who just thought back pain was kind of a part of the, the deal. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, even though you've obviously had the fits and everything else and on the best equipment, um, sometimes the actual mechanics of your own body uh, needs work as well as everything mm. else, you know. Um, and so that's where it was, it was cool that... You know, we're able to sort of. I was. I felt like I was be able to give back to you and the support you've given us, mm. um, in, in helping your body work a little bit better. So um, that's yeah, cool. And it really, really has. So it's, it's appreciated. And then I randomly, I'm like, well, you know, would it be a good guy to have a chat to? He's got a cool story. <laughs> and I was like, uh, you know. And then you, you kind of like, yeah, actually, I don't want to just come and have a chat. I actually want to get back on the table, yeah. and I want to kind of make this a little bit more of a regular thing. Mm. So um, yeah, you'll be seeing me. Right well, look, mate, thanks for the time. That's all I wanted to do. I was like, uh, you know, no, uh, uh, thanks for sharing, I think, a really interesting story about how over 29 years you've kind of gone from bedroom uh, online mail order retailer <laughs> pre-internet to, um, to what it is today. So um, thanks very much. Pleasure.